about this special child that had been born some six months ago. But they didn't know exactly where. So it says, Herod then grabs a hold of the other priests and he begins to say to them, Okay, where was the Savior to be born? He doesn't say king, by the way. He says, where's the Savior, the Messiah, who was to be born? As he changes the language just subtly, his Jewish heritage brought him awareness of the reality of the Savior, but it also brought him awareness of the need not to tell, call anybody a king other than himself. Incredibly, the priests say, well, everybody knows that. He was to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. That's where the one was to be born. And Herod says, yeah, everybody knows. You can see this picture of what's going on here. Why have the Jewish people not responded to this obvious star that's been in the sky that should have been told everybody that something's going on? The Jews have not responded. Instead, the Gentiles have had to come down some six to eight months after Jesus was born to declare who he is, who he was, and what he was all about. Because the Jewish people failed to do it. And this is their last chance. They fail once again. Instead of responding and going, what? And gathering together with these entourages that have come in, they just act like, well, you know, whatever. Let's go do Hanukkah. Same time, by the way. Let's just go do Hanukkah. Forget about this, Jesus. But Herod was perplexed and concerned. He goes back to the wise men and he says, he was born in Bethlehem. Why don't you guys go and find him and then tell me where he's at so I can come and worship him as well? We've seen his sar in the east. The journey that had begun back in Genesis now has culminated in Bethlehem itself. And God has verified who he is and what he is all about. And the wise men have been stupefied because the star has stopped. The ability to find God himself has been extinguished in their lives. There's no light there. But suddenly something will happen. And as they leave and begin to go towards Bethlehem, they get to Bethlehem and they say, suddenly the star reappeared. And they were overjoyed. They rejoiced greatly when they saw the star. They had this incredible response of, yes, it is going to happen. The journey is going to come to an end. The destination is near. And they're so excited. And the star is in such a special place and such a special star that it literally resides over the house, it says, where the child was staying. And Mary and Joseph and the baby boy, the child, are waiting, not knowing what for. Suddenly the wise men show up and they see Jesus, this baby in her arms, this six months, seven months, one year old, because it doesn't happen right after the birth. And when they see him, they recognize who he is. And they fall down before him and they bow and they begin to worship him. And in the process of their worship, they get back up and they bring out their gifts. And one by one, they lay them before him. And they lay a gift of gold and then a gift of incense, frankincense, and then a gift of, of myrrh. Each one specially signifying 
who he was, a priest, a king, a sacrifice for the entire world. And at the same time providing for Mary and Joseph everything they would need for the journey that they had ahead of them that they didn't even know they were about to set upon. Because immediately after they finished worshiping, it says an angel speaks to them and tells them in a dream, don't go back to Herod because he intends to harm the child. And so they leave by another way. And as they leave, Joseph is spoken to in a dream and told, you must go to Egypt because Herod is about to kill the child. And Joseph gathers Mary and Jesus and they leave with these special gifts that God has provided them, giving them enough funds to live for the next few years in Egypt until they're going to be called back to Jerusalem, to Nazareth, to Bethlehem, to the opportunity to share with everybody the wonder of God Himself. God Emmanuel, born in a baby who will become a young man who will become the man who will stand before all and declare the opportunity for everyone to respond to him, to his light, to his majesty, to his wonder, so that we can experience the glorious, glorious experience, the experience of being born again. That's the story, Matthew 2. It's the story of of a star that represents a journey that the wise men took and of a son that they chose to worship, to recognize who he is and what he was all about. And so I guess my big thing today as we begin to look at this special presentation by our young ones is simple. How is God calling us to worship? Because the worship involved every aspect of life. It was emotional, with joy, it was rational with gifts given. It was intentional as they bowed down before the one and only living God and were willing to do whatever it took as he called them to do it. See, that's the cry of Jesus for us today this Christmas. What's the gift we're to give as a statement of worship? What's the emotion we're to interact with as a recognition of what he's done and who he is? What's the soul? What's that part in which I bow down and I find myself worshiping the child, the man, the one who gave life for me. Today, as the young ones share with us this special presentation, it's about a young man who encounters a light, not knowing what it is. He's in the midst of darkness, and finally he discovers what the song is really all about and how we can sing the song that God wants us to be able to sing, but it can only happen for those who have been born again. Because you see, you can only sing the song of worshiping God when you've experienced the wonder of being born again into His presence. And then when you sing, it's a song of praise. It's a song of thanks. It's a song that God hears and responds to. Father, today, as we have this chance to hear Help us to listen as well. Let your blessing be upon all who are involved. Let the young ones share with us powerfully and let us learn. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.